0: everyone, welcome back to another episode of Next Level Leaders. I hope you all had a safe and happy new year. Me and my husband ended up hanging out with some of our friends who had mostly all already had COVID, so we felt like it was safe enough to get a very small group together and play some games and ring in the new year together, which was a lot of fun. I was wanting to bring some baked goods over and I didn't feel like I was making a ton of stuff. It ended up taking up most of my day, but honestly, it was a lot of fun to be baking and having the kids run around playing with each other and having everyone love the snacks and using some of my mom's recipes where I went to Pinterest to see how do I make these specific caramel marshmallow things that my mom usually would make around the holidays and I couldn't find a specific recipe or step by step that showed exactly how she had made it which I thought was even more unique and fun. And if you followed along for a little bit, you likely know that my mom is currently incarcerated and it's not easy for me to, you know, reach out and call my mom when I have questions on certain things or, you know, step-by-steps on how to make these caramel marshmallows. So uh, ironically, she had happened to call me when I was halfway through the process and I was asking her milk chocolate or semi-sweet chocolate and am I doing this right with putting the caramel here and dipping them and all that good stuff but they are so delicious and I was glad that I didn't mess them up (laughs) anyway I know that the beginning of a new year can be really exciting, but it can also be a little bit stressful as I've been thinking of coming into the new year and, you know, what I want for, you know, my word or phrase. I'm still thinking about that and life has been go, 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 go. And sometimes we need to take a moment to stop and relax and allow us the opportunity to kind of shut off for a moment to kind of have our own reset, just like so many of our electronics, you know, when, when you're going for so long, you hit your own burnout, honestly of life, right? I feel like I have experienced a little bit of that. And then with having some sickness and, you know, my wisdom teeth issues, it's kind of Life is telling me to slow down a little bit and have some time to really contemplate what I want this next year to look like. So if you're feeling the same way, I want you to know it's okay. Take a deep breath. Life has definitely been crazy for so many of us. We're all experiencing so many different things and I feel like I've seen so much beauty come of the last year, but also a lot of heartache. So being able to hold space for both of those things and so many more it can be a lot so allow yourself that grace to check out and kind of shut off for a day or a weekend whenever that is needed and that goes for the entire year I personally have been feeling that a little bit more after the holidays and leading up into the new year so I know I need to give myself that time and want to give you permission to do the same so today I is New Year's Day, and I scheduled an interview with Monica Portman. She is amazing, and I am so excited to share this episode with you. I feel like I have been so lucky and grateful. I feel so grateful to have been introduced to so many of the women that I have interviewed, and it's such a beautiful thing when you ask for what you need and people help provide that to you. So when I was asking one of my respected mentors, Hey, I'm looking for more female leaders who are strong and passionate and care about diversity and inclusion. And how can I get more of that on my own podcast? And how can I provide even more diversity within my own podcast of women? So When I was introduced to Monica, I was so excited before even knowing anything about her background, hearing about the type of person she was, and then getting to know her even on a deeper level. I knew I had to have her on here and share an episode, and then it's so fun figuring out, okay, after having this amazing 20-minute phone conversation, what do we do an actual episode on? And so after a phone call, I I go to my notes on my phone and I start writing out some questions based on the notes that I've taken and then I come up with a podcast title and so that's kind of how I work for my guests and it's been a lot of fun. So let me tell you a little bit about Monica. Monica Portman is the Senior Director of Product Management at Cox Automotive, a software company in the automotive industry and co-owner of a restaurant. She has spent almost 25 years in product sales and strategy. Monica has had great success as a change agent and is an energetic people leader, adept in devising marketing and product strategies, articulating direction and leading teams in driving business objectives. She has extensive experience with blue chip and mid tier companies, including black and Decker big box retail and Bort long Monica has a passion for building things, learning, and solving problems. This curiosity has led her to take on challenges that help her grow as an individual. Monica sits on a board of a private high school and the school's parent music association. She also dedicates her time to mentoring team members and co-chairing an inclusion and diversity initiative at Cox Automotive. In her free time, she loves to camp, travel, and spend time with her family. Oh, and before I jump into the actual interview, there's a bonus question that is provided to Patreon members. So if you're not a member yet, go to patreon.com that's P A T R E O N.com slash next level leaders. And join the community. It's $5 per month and you get so much additional access to me and a community of people who are just like you wanting to grow and develop within their role and have more opportunities and network with other people who are like-minded. And you'll also get access to bonus content, including a bonus question that I asked Monica as well. All right, let's jump into the interview. All right, everyone. I want to welcome my guest today. I am interviewing Monica Portman today. Thank you so much for being here. Hi. So happy to have you here with me today. Monica and I met through a mentor of both of ours, and I was so happy to get connected to her. I so appreciate when I am talking to fellow co-workers or previous colleagues and you know telling them what I'm looking for for my podcast guests and they think oh I have the perfect person to introduce you to and that's exactly what happened with me and Monica so I was super stoked to get to know her a little bit better on our intro call and I am really excited to be interviewing her today so Monica if you will share uh, a little bit about your background maybe your personal and professional life I'd love to have you introduce yourself to the audience. Yeah, absolutely. Again,
1: thanks for having me on. Mm -hmm. Uh, So Monica Portman, I'll actually like start from my childhood because a little unknown fact that a lot of people don't know is I was actually first generation American. Um, My parents immigrated here from India. And you know, that in itself created a lot of you think about, you know, who you are as a person Mm -hmm. really, really is a foundational value of mine being the first to, you know, grow up in America and really the struggles we had as a family and balancing the American way versus the traditional ways that they know. So I always like starting off with that, but uh, you know, been in Utah since 2008 Um, I have spent my 25 year career um, essentially in product and marketing. I did a stint in sales I've done some webs to fill in some gaps in my skill sets throughout my career, Mm -hmm. Um, but I'm a mother of two, Um, crazy enough, they grow really fast, Uh, 13, almost 14 and a 16 year old. So um, you know, a family of four, we live here in Utah, love the outdoors, love camping and hiking, um, you know, just nature and wildlife in general. Um, I actually grew up in Lincoln, Nebraska, Okay. Uh, and I kind of kid in my early years, pre-kids, my husband and I were migra- a migrant couple, balancing two <laughs> careers as we moved from city to city until we eventually settled down here in Utah.
0: Awesome. I love it. Well, I am so glad that you're not only here in Utah, but someone that I was able to get connected with. I would love to hear more about your work history a little bit deeper so that the listeners can understand where your career started, if you'll share that with us.
1: Absolutely. So like I said earlier, I've been in the workforce, you know, 25 years straight out of college I was recruited by Black and Decker as their events marketing coordinator mm-hmm. um, th- it was an interesting position as I swore to myself I'd never go into sales but at Black and Decker they had a pretty you know rigid career path especially as an entry level individual and so this events marketing coordinator position, Mortified me a bit because I have always considered myself as an introvert. Um, I don't want to say I have social anxiety, but it really takes a lot of nerve for me to break out of my shell. And this job was all about being in front of the customer. Um, It was a pilot group focusing on their consumer power tool line. My friends thought I was crazy because I was going into the power tool industry and why on earth would I ever do that? Um, but it was a blast. Um, you know, from there, I progressed into that sales role I never wanted to do, but actually enjoyed it and ended up staying in sales, you know, calling on Lowe's home improvement sh- stores. Mm-hmm. I also called on small independent hardware stores. And then about four Four years in, I landed my first management job, and I took over an entire team that called on Home Depot stores across a five-state region. Mm -hmm. Um, I recognized right then and there that I truly um, embraced and loved the concept of not managing people, but leading people and developing them. And I, I, it was. It was just a proud moment every time I could get one of my employees promoted or the successes. And I knew it was a true passion of mine. After that, I was introduced to product. I moved from, at the time I was in Kansas City, moved to Maryland where the Black & Decker Corporate Headquarters was. Mm -hmm. Um, And I took a product role there at the headquarters. And I actually was loving sales so much that I was not going to leave the field. I love the freedom, the meeting the different people. I loved managing people, but I actually had my boss tell me that if I really wanted to progress in my career, mm-hmm. you know, this is where I should go and you sh- I should really try it out because I could always go back out in sales. But once I got into product development, I realized how passionate I was about it. Um, And and it's really become my craft since then. If I had to pick any one craft I've developed throughout my career. So, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: you know, I left Black & Decker after 12 years. Um, It was a very hard decision, uh, but I had both professional and personal reasons for doing so. You know, professionally, I had been offered a job that was with a company that was global in nature um, and it had truly global experiences and it wasn't you know a region it was a worldwide 100 country oversight in my product role in the mining and products and services business mm-hmm. um, but personally and probably more importantly you know my kids were one in four at the time um, and it's just it's always difficult balancing Two careers, little kids, my husband and I both grew up in the Midwest, and we recognized as much as we loved Maryland, we had fun there. It wasn't actually where we wanted to bring up our kids. It didn't align with the values we grew up with living in the Midwest, and Utah brought a lot of those values really close to home, and we wanted that atmosphere for our kids. Um, Plus, you know, the mountains and the unlimited opportunities to explore and really let our kids grow up with that freedom of nature and being able to run around and play, which you just can't do out East. It was really hard to resist. So we took the job and we moved to, to Utah, you know, the mining co- industry, you know, I thought some of the things that I put up with or had to deal with or experience within construction was bad. And I got to tell you this bunch in the mining industry, they're a bunch of crass individuals. Yes. Um, very male dominated. And then you blend in the cultural dynamics, whether it's, you know, the craftness and charm of Australia, the politeness and charm of Europe, you know, the just unknown in Africa and Latin America, not knowing the local language. Yes. Um, it, it was a lot to get used to the people were unbelievable. And this company provided me opportunities that I would have never, you know, professionally pursued. Mm -hmm. I just consistently got tapped on the shoulder and they asked me to do strange things that were not part of my normal course like corporate communications Uh and strategy. But I learned so much, not just the localization aspect, but learning different cultures, being able to travel worldwide and just being able to dive in deep enough to the various disciplines that it takes to run a company. I mean, supply chain finance, like these are things that I would have never considered, but I am proud enough to walk away knowing that I'm dangerous enough in those areas. Mm -hmm. Um, And I learned a ton. My final role there, I again was tapped on the shoulder by the CEO who asked me to lead up a strategic initiative You know, they were struggling from a um, financial standpoint and they really needed to have basically stand up a PMO office and and identify areas to drive cost out and then execute on them. And the role worked directly with the CEO and the private equity firm. So I took it. It was such a great opportunity for exposure and Mm -hmm. to learn from some brilliant minds. And honestly, it was one of the best learning experiences I ever had. Uh, but, you know, two years into it, that calling f- to get back into product and product development, um, you know, it came back to me, I started becoming unhappy in my role. And I'd always promised myself in my career that if I'm not passionate about what I'm doing, I got to get out. Yes. Um, because I can't just get up and do work and then, you know, move on. It's it's work is A passion and a hobby of mine. So I, you know, started to think about what I was going to do and I had to kind of go from there.
0: Yeah, definitely. Initially, when you mentioned that you swore you'd never go into sales, I love that because you ended up going into it anyways, and it led you clearly to all these different areas. And I think that that's, something that I want the listeners to think about as well is something that maybe seems a little out of your comfort zone. You know, I think so many of us are worried, oh, if I take a job and I end up not liking it, you know, am I going to try to look for work elsewhere? And is that going to be seen as a red flag if I am not a good fit at this specific team or company or whatever that looks like? But I've heard so many success stories from people who say, I swore I'd never do this, or I never thought I was going to do something like this. And I've said similar things myself. Uh, it really is kind of thinking a little bit deeper and saying, am I willing to go out of my comfort zone a little bit and see where this goes? And I love how often you were asked to take on other opportunities. Yeah, you know, it's it's
1: interesting that you mentioned that. And I, I had mentioned how I was a bit of an introvert, mm-hmm. And I think that one of the biggest skills I learned is, you know, you never stop being an introvert, but I surely learned to break out of that shell when I needed to, yes. to the point where people don't actually recognize I'm an introvert at work. And, you know, it was a learning to me. And like you said, you never, no one wants to fail. It's a scary thing, mm-hmm. but the skills you learn and carry forward with you on taking on those scary opportunities again, it's about filling that pie of skill sets to make you better. And that one really helped me kind of break out of my shell and force myself to converse with strangers and find common ground and and build those relationships, which has been so important.
0: Yes. And you had mentioned on our intro call about like hitting a glass ceiling because you had wanted to work towards a VP role is that correct so can you tell me a little bit more about that process because it sounds like so often you are tapped on your shoulder as you mentioned for new opportunities and then when you were thinking okay now I'm ready to promote into a VP role and I want to work towards that it seems like that's kind of where your career took a a change so maybe walk us through what that looked like yeah absolutely absolutely
1: you know, I mentioned earlier how I really wanted to get back to product.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and I didn't know what I was, how I was going to do it, what I was going to do. Obviously, from my resume, I hadn't changed companies a lot. So at that point in time in my career, I was a bit of a loyalist mm-hmm. to my company. And shortly after, there was a VP of sales and marketing position that opened up. You know, I. Didn't think I was qualified enough, but I had a lot of my peers and some management team members tell me I should post for it. And so I thought, you know what, this is this is my opportunity. I've been with the company for a while. So I actually approached the CEO about the role and I told him I was interested and I walked through all the skill sets I gained over the years, whether through the projects I had recently been working on or before. And why it makes me the perfect candidate and he basically said no and told me that he didn't want me posting for it because he needed me focused on his on his initiatives and I thought well you know I understand that but I still wanted the opportunity to at least interview for the job just to show that I am interested and ready for that next move if anything it was more demonstrative than any you know and, and to build that awareness and he said no and I was a bit thrown off, obviously very disappointed as the emotions surged inside of me.
0: Yes.
1: Uh, and I asked him, well, what skills do I lack that's preventing you from allowing me to interview? Mm. And he actually didn't have an answer and flat out said, no, I was so mad. Uh, I actually realized I hit that notorious glass ceiling mm. and you know, honestly, I worked for male dominated industries for over 20 years at that point, And I never actually experienced such behavior or felt those feelings. You know, 20 years in, I actually struggled with, you know, what am I going to do? Mm-hmm. Like I dealt with a lot of things just being female in male dominated industries, you know, the yes. cat calls on the construction sites, mm-hmm. you know, down in Latin America, the way they treat women is a lot different than America, but those are things I could always overcome and it never really bothered me, but being held back for no reason stung. Yes. And the concept of a glass ceiling was, something I actually just read about in books. It's one of those things where, you know, not my backyard, that will never happen to me because you just don't think about it. And it did, and it broke my heart. It really did all the hard work. And I was so career focused. I knew I had to leave. I I was, I was so upset. I knew I had to leave, but I didn't actually know what I was going to do. Um, you know, at this point, we'd been in Utah for so long, mm-hmm. uh, loved it here. So it was my home In early pre kids, it was a lot easier to move from state to state. Mm-hmm. And it was an adventure. But when you have kids, my husband and I were getting ready, you know, we're trying to start open up a business. I knew we, I could, we couldn't move as a family, nor was I going to move my kids at the age that they were. So I really had to figure out what my next move was. It took me a while to just get over the emotional hump of what had just happened to me. Yes. It created self-doubt. And I had convinced myself I wasn't ready for that, for that next role, but I knew that I couldn't walk in that door anymore. And I had to really figure out what I was going to do next, knowing that I couldn't move either. So I did a lot of research about industries in the area um, and, and that would align to what I want to do, which was get back into product um, you know, learning a lot about Utah industry, which I never actually had to do, mm-hmm. uh, it made me realize that there are really three major categories a product person can get into. It was you get into medical or medical devices, you do consumer goods, or you get into technology. And it dawned on me 20 years in my career, I actually never had to find a job before. Yeah. So I didn't actually know like where to start, what to do, because I'd always been tapped on my shoulders And it was an eye-opener because I, at that point, was a director, and I've never looked for a job before.
0: That's so interesting.
1: So I really had to think about, well, what am I going to do? And at that point, I knew I was going to pursue technology. You know, it's the future of Utah. I wanted to have more opportunities in my future, but I didn't know how I was going to convince a hiring manager that they should hire somebody that not only didn't have software experience, but no technology experience.
0: I got chills when you said that you were being held back for no reason and that really sat with me because I feel like so many women experience this and from my outside viewpoint it seems like maybe you were doing so well in your current role like why you know change something that's going so well why move you into a different position and how do they replace someone like you it sounds like you had done so many great things obviously up until that point so almost very selfish on the ceo's part of saying i don't want to move you into somewhere else because then i have to find someone else to do what you are already doing so well and probably operating so much higher outside of what your skill set or role even was initially requiring which can be very frustrating and I've experienced similar things like that when I went to help a company hire for my position when I was going out on maternity leave or when I was quitting and I thought oh my gosh, how are they going to replace someone doing all the things that I do? You know, Mm -hmm. I had a certain title, but when I started thinking uh, because the CEO had asked me, do you have any great friends or colleagues, uh, past colleagues who would be a good fit for this role. And as I thought through a lot of my, you know, great other colleagues, uh, who would be in a similar pay range that I was making at the time, which was a little bit less than I had previously been making. So I was bringing it down a notch, but then I thought none of these people are operating in that same level because I was doing so much extra. So that really struck a chord with me. I wonder how long were you there after that conversation. So from getting told that information that you weren't going to be moving into that VP role, how long before that did you start actually looking for other positions?
1: It took me three months okay. to just do it. Um, I I was scared because again, like I said, I have never had to look for a job. Uh, And it also took time to, I knew in my head had to be in the right place if I was going to be successful. It took me a while to kind of get over that slap in the face because I I was so angry and um, my head wasn't clear. So it was three months before I actually started to refresh my resume, get my LinkedIn profile all set up and all of that fun stuff.
0: I would imagine it's so hard to take all that information in after you had been shown that you had done so well. You were always getting asked to take on more responsibility, more opportunities, and then you ask for that feedback. You don't really get any feedback as to why you're not ready or things that you could specifically be working on. So again, there's so much added confusion. And again, that self-doubt creeps in of, you know, I've been here for so many years, I've feel like I've more than proven myself, but yet they still don't think I'm ready and don't want me to even post for the position. You know, where am I supposed to go from there? And yeah, when you actually hit that glass ceiling and after hearing about it and hearing other people's experiences and in your situation, you probably never thought that that was really going to happen because you kept progressing and growing and you never hit that. And then, you know, you don't hit that until you do. And it can be so painful and hard and all of those emotions so I I can definitely understand and relate to that let's talk about the pivot from product to technology what steps did you take to be marketable to tech companies when you started looking for positions
1: yeah so it took me quite a few really hard conversations with recruiters before I realized what I did with my resume just isn't going to be enough. Mm -hmm. Uh, I I really had to come up with my story on how I was going to bring success to any organization without having those experiences. Uh, It honestly, it took a lot of work. I literally took a spreadsheet and I listed out all of my accomplishments mm-hmm. and that in itself was really hard because you don't remember, you don't remember your, your accomplishments cause you just move on to that next project. And unless you document it somewhere, you, it it takes a lot of effort to kind of tap into that brain and think through, okay, what was the accomplishment? What was the outcome and what business value? Like, how do I quantify that?
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And then bridging that to, well, what skill sets did I leverage to bring success to that particular project? And then once I had all of that, I actually just bridged it to how I could transfer those skills to a technology company. Um, And what was really interesting is I had a lot of examples of transferable skills because I had already proven it going from construction to mining, which they're not that related, completely Mm -hmm. different business skill sets. So that part was an easy story for me to tell but not knowing what was expected from a technology company and what was desired technology companies want people who have software experience or um, experience within their field and i was kind of a i was a unicorn i was a jack of all trades i had learned all kinds of things and so it, it took me a lot of time to really bridge those together and take this massive spreadsheet and then every job I posted for, I pick and chose which skill sets would fit bringing success to those roles. And I would cater my resume and cover letter to every single position I posted for or networking opportunity I knew I had. And again, like it was rejection after rejection. Most of the time they would, they wouldn't even want to have the conversation besides mm-hmm you know, the hiring manager needs someone with more software experience. Um, And I made a point of constantly asking for feedback and it had nothing to do with my lack of product skills, my management skills, leadership skills. It was the one thing. Mm -hmm. And especially coming in at the level that I need to come in at, it it was difficult. And, you know, it, it, this is about a year in Mm -hmm. i Literally was losing hope and got thinking, what am I going to do? Because I was miserable where I was at. Mm-hmm. I actually ended up getting a call back from two different software companies, like within a month apart. And those calls were progressing really well. Um, and in hindsight, when I asked, you know, why did you continue to pursue me down that interview path? Mm-hmm those two organizations made me recognize or made me recognize that they were actually looking for a leader because they had green teams they were trying to build out product practices within their disciplines and they needed someone with a strong product background that could learn fast and had the aptitude and desire yes. to you know do that learn fast and drive results was really
0: what they were all about and that's really what got my foot in the door That's amazing. I love hearing about the different stories and how people get from point A to point B because the job application process isn't always see job posting, add your resume, cover letter, get interview, you know, go through that whole process. And I love how you walked us through that because you're right at the level that you're at, especially the fact that you hadn't really had to interview much in the past as well. That is a, whole different level of new to you as well and what this process is gonna going to look like but I love that you utilized your resources you got scrappy and said okay who who are the recruiters I need to talk to where do I need to get my foot in the door how do I be you know persistent without being overbearing and how do I have these follow-ups how do I ask for feedback and get direction into where I'm going and you continue to have, that perseverance and that grit to say, this is what I want. And I know I can provide that value. And that clearly came full circle back to you with, uh, more than one company following up saying, you know what? You're right. We need the leadership skills. You've got so many other things. You can learn the software side of things of the business and really help our team grow to that next level, especially being such a newer company, uh, at that green level that you were mentioning. Yeah, you know, and the other thing I'll add on
1: that is I actually got rejected. So the position I have right now, the I got rejected the first time around, and again it was the same story. I was a runner up, mm-hmm. but my um, predecessor that got the job had that software experience and that was the deciding factor and ironically no more than 60 days later i got a call back Mm -hmm. because the hiring manager recognized that it wasn't the software experience she needed it was absolutely the leadership and product skills and being able to translate a need into an outcome so there is something to be said about getting enough feedback To where you can be persistent
0: and have that grit and not giving up exactly and earlier you also mentioned when you were going to write out your accomplishments and how difficult that was and i think that that's such a good reminder for people to start now obviously this episode is going to be coming out in the new year and i want people to remember especially women in the workplace to write down the things that you're working on because They don't seem big in the moment, but they can grow into such big things. And like you mentioned, when you're in that headspace of being ready to move on, it's hard to reflect back and think, okay, what exactly was I involved in? What specifically did I do to contribute to the success of that? And I think that that's so important to start writing those things down so that they don't forget uh, because like you mentioned, it's, it's hard to go back and reflect on that. And then I also think it's so important, like you mentioned, the aspect of following up and getting that feedback and having a good conversation and connection with the people that you're interviewing with. I've had multiple people who've also said the same thing, that someone got hired for a role and it ended up not being a good fit. So they went to the person who they thought was good, but maybe they had a few concerns about or whatever that may have been. And then it turns out that they were actually the best person for the job. So sometimes it seems like, you know, you may have been a little bit of a gamble, so to say, because you didn't have, you didn't check exactly all the boxes, but guess what? The person who did wasn't the right fit for that company. So I love how you emphasized following up and creating those connections so that there is future opportunity for the work that you've already done. Why interview? And then if you get turned down, totally forget about it and then move on to the next. You've already invested so much time and energy with certain companies. Why not have a good connection with some of those leaders so that you can circle back, follow up and see if there's new positions and, you know, you never know what could come out of that. Yeah, you're absolutely right. So tell us what is the title of the position that you currently hold?
1: Yeah. So uh, senior director of product management Um, I'm at Cox Automotive, which they are a large family owned um, business that has multiple software solutions for the automotive industry, Mm -hmm. whether, you know, some of the more popular ones are like Kelly Blue Book and Auto Trader. And then there's a suite of solutions that every automobile dealership uses within their own operations to help them run their business.
0: Oh, Cool. Yeah. I love how that ties together with your history. So tell me, Monica, what is something that has been refreshing and reassuring now that you're in this new position? Yeah, you know, two things
1: came out of this. Uh, The first, I'll share as a leader and manager, the experience and the, you know, year plus process it took me to get there really actually made me reflect back on my own hiring practices, Mm -hmm. you know, and I realized the easy button is to find that perfect person that has the experience in the industry you're in and what you're doing. And I actually just threw those rules out of, out, out the window and, When I hire a person, I make sure that that job description isn't just a template. Mm -hmm. It outlines the skill sets I'm looking for. And then my interview process, uh, we do panel as well as um, quite an extensive leadership. It is all about not necessarily the industry knowledge or software knowledge, but it is the skill set knowledge that I need as a product manager, as well as the consideration of what is this next person's next role and will they be able to get there within one to two years because they bring those things to the table. Uh, so, you know, as a hiring manager, I changed my practices because of what I have personally experienced, but the more special one to me is actually having a mentor for the first time in my career. Mm-hmm. Um, and it she's not just a mentor, she's a female mentor,
0: yes.
1: you know, and one of the funny stories I before I started this role, she's actually the one that hired me. I remember my husband and I having a conversation as I was getting ready to, you know, start my new job. And he's always been extremely supportive of my career, but he said, look, you've never had a female boss before. He goes, and I don't want you taking this the wrong way, but you need to be careful because a lot of them are really harsh Mm -hmm. and You know, part of me kind of took it as a slap in the face. Like, wait a minute, my own husband's actually pulling this, but part of me actually got scared a little bit Mm -hmm. because I'd never had a female boss before. And I actually didn't know what to expect, but I thought, no, you know what, this is going to be great. I need this, especially at the stage in my career that I'm at. And after what I experienced at my last company, I need somebody to help guide me through the maze. And so, um, you know, she, shortly after I started, she went and got herself promoted, which was just heartbreaking to me because I had all of these high expectations of our relationships. But I got to tell you, she and I have not only just become friends, but she's been my biggest advocate. I learned so much from her and it wasn't actually about you know, the software industry, or automotive, or or some of the more um, practical skills, it was the it was more about, you know what, she was hard. She is actually the only person in my entire career that has given me the hard feedback I needed to be a better person. And some of the feedback, I got to tell you, it felt like a slap in the face. But mm-hmm. as I reflect back, I have horrifying moments of oh my gosh, I do behave that way, or I did. I do say these things all the time. Yeah. Had I known this earlier in my career, I, I— who knows? You know how far, how much further I could have come, or how much of a better person I was. But between that hard feedback, just not only become a better person, but she's always driving me really hard. She's always challenging me, challenging me to do better. I know at this point that when I go to her to share an idea or feedback, she's gonna come back to me with something. Mm-hmm. And I absolutely appreciate it because it it has forced me to seek out the opinions of others far more than I ever have in my past. She's helped me recognize my strengths and weaknesses and provided me feedback on how to not only better leverage my strengths and lean in a little bit stronger, mm-hmm. But take my weaknesses and seek out those opportunities to help bridge those weaknesses so they're not holding me back. Yes,
0: I absolutely love all of that. Not only learning to adjust your own practices based on what you realized, what wasn't working for you being on the other end. And I agree, there are so many things that could be improved in the hiring process for so many companies. When I see, you know, basic job postings, or I've worked for a company where they didn't even want to include the skill set. They wanted to include a few bullet points. And I fought so hard to say, if we are expecting them to do this long list, but we're only writing out a few of those things. How are we expecting to get the right candidates to apply for that role? And in the interview process, suss that all out. It's a waste of a lot of our time if people are applying because they think that they can do those three things really well. But in reality, it's like way more than 10. So I I appreciate when people challenge the interview process and figure out, you know, it doesn't have to be a certain specific way of going about it. And you found something that seems to work better for you. And you're thinking about your team members future. You know, everyone wants to have growth and opportunities. So when you're posting roles, I love to hear that you're thinking, where could they grow in another one to two years? And do they have the ability to do so? If so, great. They can come in and prove it and we can move them into that. Or we need to figure out that they're not a good fit for the role in general. Uh, and then you also mentioned getting tough feedback from your mentor, and I I feel you on that as well. Having having a leader who can provide that to you, someone who you feel safe with, and getting that feedback. You know, you had gotten so many opportunities in the past, and you had done so great at so many things. But how much? better could it have been had you had that relationship like you have with your mentor now of you know getting a little bit of that very specific feedback to then go and reflect more uh, instantaneously versus now you said you know you kind of get that feedback and then you think from years past of how you could have done things differently and I I've done the same where it's You get that feedback and you're like, oh, my gosh, I'm kind of embarrassed of how I've handled something in the past, maybe more emotionally or maybe uh, thinking more narrow mindedly or whatever that may be. But when you can think that way, you're realizing you have grown so much. You can't really judge your past self because you didn't know what you didn't know back then. Right. Yeah,
1: I I totally agree. It doesn't matter at what point you are in your career. There's so much growth opportunity, um, you know, emotionally from a skill set perspective, um, and, and I agree with you. You do need a trusted space, and coming from someone who hadn't had one for 20 years, it it has just been not only a confidence booster, but it has given me the confidence to go pursue and lean in far more than I ever have in the past.
0: Yeah, and I think that. We this is a perfect example of why we need more strong women leaders because I feel like there is such a specific unique thing that women can recognize in other women whether it's you know how we're speaking are we speaking most confident are we you know showing up and checking being able to uh be aware of our emotions and not necessarily say to check them at the door. You can't have emotions at work, but being able to uh, adjust and know when to show certain emotions at certain times, because I think emotions are a beautiful thing in the workplace, both from men and women to be able to uh, be vulnerable and share that. I don't think that, you know, the workplace should be an emotionless place by any means, but I love when, there are strong female leaders who are helping to empower so many other women to rise up and do the same and not be seen as that competition. So that leads me to my next question. What are you currently doing to empower women who have walked a similar path to you? Yeah, I
1: will say um, paying it forward is about as simple as I can, I can put it, Mm -hmm. you know, to build a little bit off of what you had just said on, you know, the emotional aspect look, women are, we're emotional by nature. And, and I, I think all too often throughout our careers, we spend so much time trying to cover up that emotion, mm-hmm. right? There's no crying in baseball. There's no crying in the workforce. Yeah. And I, I, having a female mentor has really taught me that it's okay to cry, just don't do it publicly, mm-hmm. you know. Or it's okay to think about your kids when you get that phone call at work, and not fret about what your male peers are going to do. Mm-hmm. Like she's taught me all those things, and and I think you hit it the most is because she's a strong female who's proud to be a mom, yes. proud to be a vice president, and she's doing it all. And no one said it was easy or perfect, and. I, it was, you know, it, again. I got they're teenagers, but I reflect to those early years where every promotion or phone call or I have to go to a doctor's appointment. I, I was, it was just, it hurt my brain to try to cover those things up while still show up at work and be, you know, trying to keep up with my peers. And yes. she's actually taught me as a leader that you shouldn't actually do that. Mm-hmm. Because if you're really going to be a role model, which she's proven to do so, you got you to gotta show the human side. You can't, like, you can't put that wall up at work. And right. so paying it forward has been my biggest thing, not just formally or informally, providing um, mentorship to women who are open um, to growth or leaning into women who have newly been appointed as managers, as a resource to have those conversations. Mm -hmm. And like I said, I I really wish I had that back earlier in my career because I think it would have taken a lot of angst and stress emotionally out of the journey that got me here Mm -hmm. and making sure that if I do have women that work for me, making them realize that I'm human too. And it's yes. okay if you've got to take time off for your kids or taking care of your family or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but also not shying away from it around my male peers. And I've had my own manager approach me and tell me that he's learned a lot from me. I um, mean, again, you know, he, he's a guy and I couldn't be prouder about the behavioral change I've seen in him from one conversation we've had mm-hmm. Um, and how he's just embraced the concept of inclusion and diversity in his hiring practices. Awesome. And he's constantly calling me for advice because they're not getting enough, you know, female candidates. It's 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 been heartwarming and it's motivated me even more to sh- now share some of my reflections back and truly step up. Now that my kids are a little bit older, it's a little easier to do. Um, as a role model and lean into the younger women in the workforce, because it's hard to ask for help. It's hard to approach someone you highly respect and say, Hey, will you be my mentor? Like it it usually um, doesn't work that way. It's the reason why I never sought out a mentor. Mm -hmm. Uh, and, And as a leader now I recognize the impact it's had in my life. And I, again, I seek out those, women who I think have high potential and offer up the mentorship.
0: I love that. Yeah. I feel like that continues to give me so much more drive and passion for what I'm working towards and why I even have this podcast out is because we need so many more female mentors and leaders in the workplace. And There isn't enough of that. I'm in the exact same boat as you that I've, I've had male mentors. I've had mostly male leaders and I realized I haven't really had a strong female mentor or strong female leader up until more recently. And gosh, it makes such a difference when you can combine that, you know, feminine energy and really have so much more of an understanding because, It's a female-to-female mentorship, and it's such a beautiful thing, and I love that you're doing that. I am so grateful that you were a guest on the podcast today, and I am excited to hear more about the women that you are mentoring, and I wish you nothing but continued success for 2021. So thanks again, Monica, for being here today. Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure. I continue to say how grateful I am that I have had the opportunity to interview such amazing women and it will never get old to me when I get chills frequently throughout conversations based on everything that I'm hearing and that they're sharing as far as previous experiences and things that I've also experienced and knowing that this is helping so many women in the workplace understand their value and realize that they are worth so much more and that there are so many opportunities out there for them. And if you enjoyed this episode, you are definitely going to want to join Patreon to listen to the answer. To the bonus question. The bonus question is What is your advice for someone who has been in a similar position, doing the best they can and still not getting an opportunity to move up? We had a great conversation around three specific topics in regards to helping you stand out in your current role, as well as understanding when it's time to start looking for other opportunities and kind of giving yourself that permission. So, like I said, Go check it out, patreon.com slash next level leaders. All right, until next time, we'll see you later. Thank you for tuning into another episode of Next Level Leaders. If today's episode resonated with you, please take a quick screenshot, share it to your Instagram and tag me at Nicole.harrop. I love to see it and it means the world to me. I appreciate you helping to spread the word so I can help more women. See you on next week's episode.